We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports law and licensing. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. It's all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Darren Traub. Darren is the Senior Vice President of Entertainment and Talent Management and Business and Legal Affairs for the WWE. He handles all of the legal and business issues for the WWE's television and film studios, its live events, and its music division. Darren also oversees the Talent Management Group, where he handles all the WWE's town bookings, appearances, and projects, including their gaming and streaming initiatives. Prior to joining the WWE, Darren has worked at several law firms, where he was involved in some of the largest deals at the intersection of music and gaming, including working with record labels, music festivals, esports leagues, esports teams, and game publishers on a variety of matters. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Justin, for having me. My pleasure. So, you know, we're going to explore esports licensing. So, esports licensing plays a central role in the esports business world. So, a license is a permission or act to do something. So, essentially, a license is granted by the owner to a party to give them the legal right to do something. So, this might be a game publisher licensing their game to a tournament organizer or an entertainer licensing their music publisher to a game developer displayed in game. There are many types of licensing arrangements in the esports world including those related to the licensing of a copyrighted work or a trademark, such as a team's logo on merchandise. So now we know a little about esports licensing. Tell us about your esports and gaming experience. So what's yeah. the first game you played? Oh, God, um, I, I'm, I'm old. So I would say my first game was probably Pac-Man. And, and I legitimately mean like, you know, that first time that Pac-Man came out as a cabinet game. Uh, you know, I remember when it came out, my dad, I must have been five or six the special thing was like Friday night after dinner, you know, we'd go get a donut and I could get a dollar's worth of quarters and stand in line to play Pac-Man. So, um, you know, I've, I've been a gamer now then for over 40 years, if we're, if we're going to count that as the first game. Okay, so, you know, good old Pac-Man days back with the, the arcade world. So how did you kind of get into the business and legal side of the gaming world? Yeah, so it's kind of funny. If you, it, 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 I made a joke the other day that if you look at my growing up, it was... Uh, you know, video games, um, or I guess, yeah, you, you know, music and then video games and then, uh, you know, wrestling. And that's, that's kind of been now the, my, the track of my career. So I've been an entertainment attorney for more than 20 years uh, with my especially always have kind of been in like technology and entertainment and kind of what's new and how they intersect. And so for years, a lot of my clients were artists and record labels and a lot of music festivals. So I've, I was outside counsel to more than 50 different music festivals 
most of them being in the EDM and hip hop world. So, uh, you know, if you can think of some of the biggest festivals, the multi-day ones with hundreds of thousands of, of fans, um, that those were my clients. And I would go live basically backstage at these festivals all week as the attorney. So I would move on site on like on a Tuesday and I would live in these trailers behind the main stage and get off site, you know, Monday when the doors closed. And back there, you know, you start hanging out with the artists and their managers. And as the years progressed, I noticed more and more of them were doing, uh, you know, basically gaming and, and, you know, streaming and, doing podcasts stuff, you know, backstage. And that just kind of started progressing these conversations of, you know, what are you doing? What's new? Why are you doing this? Hey, how can we do something unique then outside of you just being a main stage artist? So then I started doing more in the gaming world. And it was kind of, you know, hey, how can I get you involved um, in a video game? That was the, the early things, you know, hey, let's get your music involved somewhere. Then as esports kind of started progressing out of it and organizations and publishing and, and as you point out before this, you know, more licensing opportunities for musicians or brands or artists to get involved, I started doing that. And then the more I started doing that, the more I started getting to know the gaming space and the organizations themselves and the players and the teams and, and the players within that world and the business folk. So then they would start bringing me into their licensing deal. So it was kind of a who could hire me first would, you know, that, that that's whose license I would would fight for. And then that just kind of spun out. And, you know, over the last, I would say I've been lucky for the last five years, um, it really kind of has been a, you know, licensing terms and uh, it's some of the biggest collaborations. So as collab drops kind of started happening, I, I call it the, you know, the, the supreme mentality. Um, you know, let's do a collab and, and brand each other because we can stand together as, as one um, a lot bigger than either of us can as on ourselves. That's just really kind of become what I've been doing. So putting together these unique deals like the concerts that we see in Fortnite and Roblox, um, Gears of War, uh, you know, and then getting brands involved in esports and gaming. And then, of course, now at, at the WWE and getting our brand involved in esports and gaming and streaming and uh, in organizations and, and the like. Amazing. So, you know, I know a lot of this is really kind of uncharted territory. So how do you try to kind of navigate the unknown? You know, what are some legal hurdles that are kind of encountered in this? Maybe some things you didn't necessarily think were going to be, but as you started doing it, it was like, oh, wow, like this is really important and I didn't realize. Yeah, you know, you, it, it's kind of funny because as you and I both know, right, you, you practice law and the law is far behind where technology is and where your clients are and the deals they're asking for. And so, you know, the first thing, you, the best thing you can do is say, okay, here's, here's the laws that exist today. So here's how I know how to get you. Um, now you're asking for some really kind of cool and unique opportunities. So one, let's figure out the best business way to make this happen that we know does not uh, trip over any laws. Right? That's the best way to do it. Like, here's the law. Okay. Let's not touch that. Now, you know, now we're kind of in the gray area and you kind of have to look at past precedent to make sure you can do it. But the reality is if you can get a contract that protects everyone's rights and you go through the nuances of, OK, what do I need to get from each side? Is Do I have the music licenses? You know, are there sync licenses at issue if I'm, a, if I'm in a video game? If I'm live streaming now, that became a big thing is, you know, how do we do live streaming and what licenses are really needed? Because are you doing a public performance? Are you creating a mechanical? Am I using it in a sync way? Do I have permissions to do that? You know, who has what IP? Because obviously when you are doing an eSport or you're doing a stream, you're building off of the intellectual property that probably neither party has. It's the gaming publisher that owns it. Um, and then you're always kind of like, okay, is this a synergistic way that everyone kind of recognizes these implied licenses because the you only goes so far? So the best thing you can do is just kind of point out the issues to a client, right? And say, look, here's, here's, here's what I know you can do. Here's what I know you can't do. Here's kind of the unknowns. And I can tell you the issues that we have. And then let's just do the best to minimize those issues, right? Recognizing that hopefully. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most of the time will be correct. Sometimes, hey, you know, it, it may come back and then we can say at least we we thought about it. We recognized this was going to happen and we made a contingency plan. So that's that's really the best way to do it is just kind of start thinking of, you know, what what are the issues that could arise and how do I at least acknowledge that both sides recognize that in the contract and, and came to some sort of business conclusion? Usually, as, as you know, you'll, you'll come to your client, you'll say, look, the law says X. I know you want me to tell you why. Here's how I can get you as close to Y as possible, recognizing you're not at X. So, you know, you're, you're going to take a little bit of a chance here. And they're okay with that. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. And it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Exactly. So, I mean, you dropped a lot in there, so I want to kind of tease some of it out. So <laughs> something that I, you know, I think is unique and you kind of brought up is, you know, this concept of is this live performance, whether it's Travis Scott or Marshmallow or any of these other games, you know, in Fortnite, is this a live performance? Is this, you know, now a mechanical, you know, royalty with each play that has to go because it's now recorded, you know, just trying to figure out how this all plays out. Yeah. So, you know, it, it started off, I, I was, the first time it came up was like, how do you live stream a, a music festival? That's kind of where this all started. And, you know, the issue is the music festival was taking the position, well, I'm just videotaping live, you know, what's going on on stage. So clearly I'm not creating a mechanical. So for, for those that are listening and, and we're talking a little bit of industry terms, if you create any master recording of someone else's music at its core you create you need a mechanical license to create a recording of someone else um and so the but if you're not and you're just performing it live and it's like hey look and there's no recording and no one can make a recording of it you can get away with a public performance license which is a lot cheaper and a lot easier to obtain and you don't really need to get the record labels or publishers involved so that was what was happening as the um industry sort of caught up, they realized that you're really not, you are creating some, you know, some recording of it, if even for a split second, and the record labels were taking the position you need a recording license. For if, if you're a record label, I mean, if you're a music festival, you sort of push back and you're like, look, I'm, I'm using your artists, uh, you know, and if you don't want me to do this, then I'm just not going to use your artists. So that's kind of how it started caving. Then when you brought it, though, into the ephemeral metaverse, right? So, you know, the obvious answer is like when we did the Travis Scott Fortnite concert. Okay, everyone recognizes this is pre-recorded. Not only are you creating masters, you're also creating sync licenses. But for an event of that scale, right, you've got the record labels involved. You've got the publishers. You've got Travis. You've got his management team. So, you know, you've got both Epic and Sony. You've got, also got Epic on the Fortnite side. So you've got all the players there. That's an easy one. The ones that aren't so easy is when you look at some of the stuff going on in like a party royale mode or in people creating mode in Minecraft where, you know, maybe they're just truly live streaming. It's like I did the Dominic Fight concert, which was in party royale. He literally just showed up at a stage in um in LA before a green screen and truly just live streamed it in for a one-time one-off. And we took the position, okay, you're, you're not creating a, a master. Um, no one's recording this. We made sure they couldn't. 
So you keep the cost down because you're doing that. But whenever you're doing one of these deals, the first thing really needs to be that you got to start thinking through how is this, you know, what are we really doing here? What's the technology behind it? You've got to start asking the questions of, are we creating a recording? Can someone else create a recording? What about incidental recordings? You know, how is this being transmitted? Those are all the questions you need to start asking at the beginning. You need to understand the platform you're working with, as well as the end user and demographic. And then you sort of shape the deal around that. And you got to come at the beginning and say that because if it turns out, you know, hey, I do need mechanical and sync licenses and they're $50,000, you need to bake that into the deal of who's going to, whose obligation is to get those, who's going to pay for those, you know, wh- you know who, who's presenting that, where's the real money coming from, who's throwing them in. And you can't come in at the last minute and be like, oh crap, I forgot to tell you, you're supposed to get a sync license for 50 grand. And then everyone gets mad because no one put that in the budget and no one knows whose responsibility that is. And so that's why bringing a lawyer in, uh, you know, who understands these issues at the beginning of your deal as you're putting it together and can point out all the needs, you can structure then your, your deal around that. You, you can't show up at a lawyer's office like, hey, here's our deal. What do you think? Because, <laughs> you know, there, there's there, there are a lot of steps that you probably didn't think about that are going to add to the budget and the obligations. And it's better to know them up front than, you know, crap, yesterday we were supposed to do this. And hey, it's not my issue. It must be theirs. And they're taking the same way. That, that, that's when the deal goes south very quickly. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, a really great point that you brought up is kind of knowing the platform, whether it's, you know, a Twitch where there could be a recorded, you know, clip of your highlight where you have your past broadcast saved, which could be, you know, considered recording or users and viewers might be able to clip certain parts of it, you know, which kind of opens up to the other Pandora's box that you're mentioning. So I think that, you know, having this, ability to understand if it's on YouTube, it might be different mechanisms. There might not be a way for users to clip it the same way that Twitch can. So being able to understand that is key. Yeah. And the issue is, you know, the the platforms for a while could hide behind the section 230, uh, you know, carve outs, which again, for to not use buzz terms, if, if you're a platform, you can say, I'm not responsible for the copyright that independent artists and, and users are putting up. I'm just the platform. You have an obligation then obviously to take down infringing use at, through your takedown notices, which is, of course, what's been making the news. The, the problem is, as these new platforms are being created that are supposed to do nothing but host people's information and stuff, the recording industries and other content, you know, license holders are taking the position. You should be putting safeguards in at the beginning on your platform because you recognize the whole purpose of your platform is to host content and you should be building that into your model. And, and that's, that is kind of the problem is all of these things are popping up, you know, literally overnight, every day, there's a new platform, a new game games are now becoming platforms. You know, you, you look at Fortnite several years ago, it was truly just a game. You look at Fortnite today and it's a social media platform with artist integrations and events and, and merchandise and, and, movies. And, and movies and, you know, content creations in and of itself. And, and the lines have become so blurred that you need to understand all of those moving parts in order to, frankly, effectively build a thing. When, you know, 20 years ago when I started, you, you were a movie attorney or a, or a TV attorney or you did, you know, records and or you were the artist representative like it. You were very siloed as to what it is. You, you can't do that today as an entertainment attorney. You, you need to understand everything there is about movies and film and studio and production and licensing and royalties and music licenses and publishing and and the artists and, and talent uses. And now that you've got influencers, it's a, it's a whole other thing that you've got to truly be a master of all, because when you get called into these deals, You've got to issue spot them. And as you pointed out at the beginning, these are new and unique things that probably have never been done. I, I was uh, I had a, a fortunate panel yesterday with um, representatives from Columbia Records, Facebook and Sansar, which is a, a phenomenal VR platform. And the thing that we all kind of kept talking about was, you know, you want to be first and new and unique. Now, you don't want to be the 10th artist to be on Fortnite. You, you wanted to be Marshmallow or Travis. You right, and then you Nas. go to the next one. Yeah, you, yeah, you want to be Nas on Roblox. When, when, when the Nas team came to me, you know, about hey, what are we looking at? Can we do Fortnite? You know, the answer is it was just done, and 
you know, why, why do you want to be number two? Let's go be number one elsewhere. And we looked for platforms and, you know, found the Roblox deal because of that. But because you are hopefully going to be the first and the pioneer, you know, it, you're doing something no one's done before. There is no, you know, you're not calling your lawyer and say, hey, can you give me the template for, uh, you know, to, to be a Nas X deal on Roblox? It, it doesn't exist. It's not a, a not a Mad Lib where you can just plug in the new terms. You, you are creating a document from scratch and it's part, you know, music deal, part recording, part game publishing, you know, part software, part movie deal, part television production. And then, of course, on top of that, you know, streaming and license rights with merch deals on top of that and sponsorships. It's a it, it's a fun time to practice in this area. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's something that you highlighted and that I've noticed. It's like you have to have all of these ideas. You have to understand the copyrights and trademarks and the way all of these things interact with this and, you know, how it applies to everyone on all different sides. Yeah, and, and you know, you, to, to go back to the theme, it, it's really all about content licenses, right? I, I as a platform, here's my platform. I have content on it and I have software and, and, spe- and stuff. So I'm licensing this to this deal. Hey, I'm an artist. I have content. It's music, et cetera. I'm licensing it to the deal. I'm a brand and I want Virch integrations, right? I have my trademarks and my copyrights, et cetera. I too will license it into the deal. Okay, let's make sure we all have the licenses in order. What are we missing? Is there any third party that's not involved that we need to get permission in here? And then it's making sure those licenses are right. And then on top of that, okay, now we've all created a new piece of content. Who owns that and what licensing rights do we have in that content? So at its core, what's really kind of cool is they're all licensed deals. It's just you've got to understand what the deal is so you know how to license it and, and what's being licensed. Absolutely. You know, I, I was kind of reached out recently about, you know, a label that's kind of making a virtual artist label where it's all these this rise of these automated virtual rappers and other talent that are you know have millions of followers and are an artist for all intents and purposes but they're not a human and you know you have to kind of make a hybrid deal where it's this is a record deal it's a publishing deal but there's also this digital merch and a whole digital world that's part of it that really wouldn't be part of you know, a traditional humans deal. So it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Everyone now wants to, it's like KDA came out and everyone's like, Oh, I can do that at, at, at my label. And, and, you know, like you, I'm, I'm getting, or I was getting, and that now that, now that I'm at WWE, it's a different uh, phone call. Um, but, you know, I used to get the same thing from labels of, Hey, can we create an avatar? And then what is, what are the deals that go into that to make the avatar use other people's music? And you, you know, you get stuff like Lil Michaela, um, you know, I cut, you know, and now everyone wants to do these virtual influencers. And I was working on a, a, a metaverse world that will be all virtual influencers and avatars built into it. And then that's a whole other version of, of licenses and copyright deals and what you can do. But it's amazing because the world these days is now focused, which is really cool for us, focused into the metaverse, into avatars into into making content you know now digitize you you look at top shot and the nfts that are coming out right now and you know that that's a whole new game changer of licensed deals and content uh based off of digitized you know content that exists in a completely different form and now you're making a new product out of it so you know every week you're probably like me you're getting phone calls of what what are these what is this acronym and how can i do it Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the digital collectibles, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some WWE highlight collectibles. Some, um, you know, that's been my last two weeks is how, how can the people's I elbow on Stone yeah. Cold's face or something? Top rope, right? I, I mean, you already know that like, you know, Hogan slamming Andre is going to go for a hundred grand on some someone's collectible wallet. So, yeah, I, we, we want to be out there, too. Um, I think I'm sure anyone with a deep pocket of old content is is looking at this already uh, across the board i mean I'm, I'm getting stuff from record labels going you know can i do album covers as nfts i was on the mm-hmm. phone today with an esport organization saying you know what, what do we have that someone would want as an nft um and so you know th- there are some really cool ideas that i think are dropping now i do think one of the things that i'm always cautioning people to do is don't believe the hype that you're reading, right? I mean, most of the stuff you're reading are probably press releases 
or you know what they want you to read or what so, twitter has to say oh my god yeah and, and it's always the salesperson right i mean it, constantly it's you know look at these numbers and like eh, if, if you've done this long enough you, you you know how to scratch the surface on those numbers and go hey you know your 200 million engagement was actually 120,000, and that's not really your concurrent and that's not the right number you should be asking for but you know a lot of these nft deals are like oh look at this number this is the resale value and i'm like Okay, well, just because someone asked for that, I haven't seen anyone buy it yet. And, you know, so I, there's a lot of some of this is hype, but that hype creates reality. You know, you, you look at Supreme, um, you know, as, as the perfect example, they put out a $30 T-shirt. And because someone has de- determined, hey, this is really cool and somehow unique and collectible, that $30 T-shirt is now worth $1,000 to someone. Off-white sneakers, you know, when I, when I bought my pair, it was 180 bucks for my my Jordan 10 off weights. And that same day, someone else is like, Nope, they're worth 6,000. I was like, oh, I, I like the sneaker. Um, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wear mine, but you know, Virgil's killing it off of this hype, you know, collection. And that's kind of now what's happened with these digitized D to a goods is someone has determined, you know, that this is, this is worthwhile and worth collecting. And so the hype is real, but for the true digitized D to a good, you know, they're phenomenal because if you're a brand, um, you know, let's take Louis Vuitton as, you know, as a perfect example, you've got a $5,000 pocketbook. Well, you're never selling that to a 10 year old kid, right? Ever. But if I could sell a digitized version to a 10 year old kid for $1 to put on their, on their avatar in their world, you know, to that kid, that's as big as a stunt out as buying the real Louis bag. It's created brand awareness. Their friends are equally as impressed as they would be had they bought the real one. And then you know what? That kid is also going, when I grow up, the first thing I'm going to do is buy a real Louis bag. So brands that are smart and are trying to connect with a much younger generation that can't afford their good, but trying to get brand connection and awareness, gaming in these metaverse platforms is a phenomenal way to do it. And again, back to the topic at hand, right? It's a licensed deal. And how do I license my IP as Virch into the right platform? Exactly. So, you know, we started to touch on it, but let's t- talk a little about your current role with the WWE. You know, what do you do yeah, there? Yeah. You know, what's some current work you're working on? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, I, I was kind of lucky because um, as you and I just alluded to, you know, you're, you're no longer a siloed or an entertainment attorney. You, you, you have to know all of this. And so my, my job at WWE, um, I, I can split it into three different factions. So, uh, my, my easiest faction, believe it or not, is that I, I head up legal and business affairs for all of our entertainment productions. So that's all of our television shows, and that's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, uh, you know, 205 Live, but also all of our A&E biographies, all of our network um, content, so any television deal. I also do the same for our, our film studios. We, we have a film studio in... Um, in Hollywood, at any given time, there's 30 different film projects on my, uh, you know, on my desk. Um, you know, everything from you know Marine 16 starring John Cena uh, to you know um, we've got cartoon deals and animation. We've got a bunch of documentaries coming out. We're involved in the Young Rock show on NBC. So you know all of that stuff. Um, I also then do the same thing with our music. We have a music label that is mostly. Uh, geared towards our entrance and theme music. Yeah, I had that WWE that. aggression, the rap one back in the day. That yeah, was a great yeah, scene. That, that, that theme music. If you really want to get injured in a gym, listen to Batista's theme, you know, in theme entrance. You'll put another twenty to the game. You do it. You know, you got it's great. Um, so I do that, and and then I also uh, manage our our special events. So right now, obviously, WrestleMania is is my big one for the month. After that, will be SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, uh, you know, Hell in a Cell, etc. So. That, that's that's faction one of what I do. Um, faction two then is I, I do all of our talent and celebrity appearance contracts. So I manage all of our roster talent, all of our celebrity guests, all of our legends talent. I do their booking agreements, negotiate uh, their appearance deals. If you want to use our talent um, in sponsorships on your own movies and your own TV deals, uh, you know I do all of those agreements as well. Um, and so anything that touches, uh, being utilized our talent in or out of the ring or celebrity guests in the ring, as well as our old roster talent being celebrities, I do that deal. And then the third thing that I do, which is my favorite thing, 
Um, and so I, I also manage our talent management group. So we work with all of our roster talent. We've got 250 uh, talent assigned a roster, but you know, I, I would say at a, 120 of them are those kind of well-known television ready talent. Um, and we work directly with them. Each one is assigned a talent manager that I oversee to talk to them, say, what are you looking to do? Do you want to be a, a gamer streamer? Do you want to be involved, um, you know, as a, uh, in movies on TV? Do you want to have your own workout show? You know, what do you want to do to make your personal brand bigger? Um, then I work across all of our lines of business, our gaming, our, uh, you know, our movie deals, our music deals, our consumer products, our licenses. And I say, go find me good deals for talent X that are in this. I then scrub those deals. And once I figure out the appropriate deal for the talent, I'm then the one that goes and negotiates and, and comes up with the talent uh, and, uh, you know, and, and come up with that deal. And that then, of course, includes uh, you know, WWE branding on Roblox and Fortnite and our Take-Two game and our video games and Twitch and TikTok um, and Minecraft. So it is, it is a 24-7 job that I bid off because we, we don't shut down. We are 52 weeks a year. Um, and my cell phones and uh, laptop are going off nonstop all day, every day. But I, I love this stuff. So, um, you know, I, I do this with a big smile on my face. Right. It makes it a little bit easier when it's like, oh, Triple H is calling me. I guess I got to pick up. Yeah. You know, when, when he calls, you make that a pretty uh, when Vince calls. So I, it's funny. I, I do have a um, I, I have a cell phone that is that is dedicated to kind of like my bat phone. Um, right. That. Vince has, Triple H has, the C-Suites have. I know when that one rings, no matter what I'm doing, I answer that one. Um, and, and then I have my rest of us folk phone, uh, which I also answered. I just know that if I'm with my daughter, that one I don't have to pick up right away. Um, but yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're much bigger than me. They're a lot more intense. Um, they're extremely intelligent. It is, it is mind-blowing to me the amount of business knowledge that each one of those uh, individuals have and that and then I can learn from, especially when it comes to the wrestling business. It's nice though because I bring a unique perspective of the gaming world and gaming culture and podcasts and streaming. Um, so, you know, it's kind of back and forth that way. Uh, so that's also really nice. Yeah, because, you know, they've definitely kind of the live event, the spectacle, the kind of building this larger than life persona, like that's what they are. And they've created superstar after superstar. And now you start adding this whole digital universe with streaming and the video games. Like I'll never forget, you know, WWE No Mercy on N64. That was probably a game that I, I played just so much. It might be the only wrestling game that I like really got into. Um, and, and, and it's funny because whenever I tell like one of my gaming friends, like I went to, you know, WWE, it's a me like, oh, Xavier, right? And up, up, down, down. And, you know, and, and, and the 2K games. And so, you know, I love this because when I think of a gaming culture fan, right, it's you're highly competitive. You like a little bit of violence or you don't mind violence, I should say, within, within your entertainment. You usually love some sort of cosplay hero um create your own you character know, yeah create your own character right so you know you don't you don't mind guys in capes and tights and 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 masks um you know you love those kind of larger than life fun moments that uh you know you take and you don't necessarily need mainstream you want something a little bit niche the the sixth thing of course as a gamer is you want someone who understands authentically you and your likes and your world etc and when you think of the first five right that's a wwe fan highly competitive doesn't mind a little bit of violence and gore, you know, likes that kind of cosplay hero mentality, likes those little large in life moments. And, you know, so my my thought is, you know, how can I hit that sixth note, which is how can I show you that WWE understands gaming culture, gets you, speaks at your level and is not pandering. We, we're adding something to your, um, you know, to, to your experience. It, it, it's it, to me, it's it's an uh, immediate synergy. Absolutely. So, you know, we've kind of, you know, discussed some of the work you've done in the traditional entertainment world and esports. So what kind of similarities have you noticed between, you know, the legal and business matter between, you know, these two worlds? Um, it, it's all about content. You know, it, it, it's still, especially at the WWE, you know, everything about WWE is, is IP. It's, it's no secret. You know, we are a content heavy IP crazed um, company. You know, we, we own all of the talent names, we own the characters, we own the 
the look and feel. We, you know, we were the logos, really part, the logos, you know, we, we, when, when you come and you sign us, you know, Justin Jacobson, I'm going to sign you as, as my talent. And then I'm going to develop a character with you and I'm going to own that character because I created it. That's why, you know, the other night when you saw big show, you know, leave WWE and appear the other night on AEW for the first time, you know, it's not big show. It's, it's Paul white and he's got to go find another name or character. Cause when you leave WWE, like we own that. And if that that's up to you. And so, you know, it is a very IP content heavy uh, business that is all license oriented. And, you know, so it's just, it's sort of, once again, going back to licenses and, uh, you know, how do I get my brand and my talent and and my uh, logos, you know, into whatever product or platform. But again, it's a a content license. So what about kind of any differences that you've kind of noticed between maybe, you know, working with the talent or the, just kind of the businesses involved in the areas? Yeah. You know, so it, it, if you think about it, WWE has been around for more than 40 years and it started off as a very television linear focused and of course, live event organization. And so, you know, a lot of it is still this kind of old school mentality of this is how we do stuff. Um, the other big thing that's kind of changed and then I'll, I'll bring it back home, I promise. Uh, you know, if, if you looked at a wrestler, say 10 years ago and you asked him, you know, what, what is what do you want to do? You know, it was I, I want a main event WrestleMania and I want to win the belt and I, I want an action figure. Yeah, you know, and that was it, right? That was what you wanted to be Hogan. You wanted action figures, right? Then The Rock came around and now it's like, oh, then I want to be a movie star. Well, now these talent, right? They are, um, they're younger. They're more sophisticated in terms of, hey, I want a life beyond the ring. They all love video games. They all know about loan out uh, companies and how to protect their assets. They're not hanging around the locker room afterwards, drinking and hanging out with the guys. They're back in their hotel room gaming. You know, truly, that that's what they do, and and they're they're concerned more about that. And how do I make my own brand? How do I make my own um, you know unique opportunities? Frankly, outside of the ring, and that doesn't fully drive with the hey, we're WWE, we own everything, right? And so my job is to say, okay, how can I how can I get those two worlds? I own everything about you and your character, et cetera. So you can't be out there streaming on your own using my name, you know, using your name and character because I own that and I didn't give you permission to do that. So it's working with the talent now to explain to them IP rights and licenses and exclusivities and what that means. And then also then saying, okay, but I understand you want to be doing, uh, you know, streaming. You want to be in video games. You want to be elsewhere other than the ring. Okay, let's work together then to make that happen. That is a separate sort of deal. And here's how it's going to work. Because once again, I need to license you the name and the characters and your your theme music because at, its, at their heart, right, they're, they're entertainers, they're smart talent, but they may not understand the nuances of IP and licensing. And it's frankly breaking it down and explaining it to them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, a really big thing, especially when you're working with, you know, an experienced talent. Some of these, you know, the new wrestlers probably haven't been around. So it's like you really have to explain, like, yeah, Stone Cold, that name, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the 316 and the logo and the outfit that he wears and his, you know, catchphrases. It's all IP, right? And and it's all owned by the WWE. Right. Most people think of IP as like, okay, it's a trademark and I and it's a logo. And then that, you know, then like that's where it stops and it doesn't, right? It's there's copyrights, there's music licenses, there's content licenses, there's service marks, there's 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 so much Catch IP phrases, hashtags, hashtags it's, you know, everything they probably didn't even think of that, that is an IP. And the reality is, you know, that they're all um, you know, monetizable properties and you know, we're really good. We've got a really smart IP group. Um we, we've got some some really sophisticated IP attorneys. We have a trademark portfolio of over ten thousand trademarks, you know, within there. Just within, I believe, the U.S. And of course, you know, we have worldwide stuff. We 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 take our IP rights very seriously, and and that's including internally, right? You know, because you, you can't you can't ever stop policing. So, you know, we're we explaining that to talent of everything that they're doing and and where that's IP and how to license it. But then explaining, like, I'm on their side. I, I want them out there building those personal brands because as a as a brand, it's better for me, right? I mean, as I tell everyone, 
you know, you're going to follow LeBron on LeBron's Twitch stream a lot more than you're going to follow LeBron on the Lakers stream. It's just, you're engaging more. It's more authentic, et cetera. So, you know, I want my talent doing stuff, but with within the parameters and licenses and, and not breaching stuff because, you know, it, at the end, it's still a business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, we want you to do it the right way. And, you know, realistically, we didn't spend all this money and time and effort because we love you. You know, it's, it's, there's lights to pay and, you know, we need to keep the machine going so that 10 years from now, the next generation is here and we're able to, you know, continue moving forward. Yep. And, and that's, you know, that's what you want. You, you want, you want our, you want the company to be happy because we're, you know, we're, We've got all of our stuff protected. You want the talent to be happy because they're getting to do what they want to do in, you know, in the, in the way, but you don't want to set bad precedent because once you do, there's no purpose of having IP or licenses. And that doesn't just go within the WWE world, right? If everyone's out there just using each other's IP, there's no point then to, to having IP or licenses. And, and you can't have that slippery slope as awful as it may or may not sound, right? This is, you, you've got to, you got to set the line and the precedent, but then you start getting creative and say, okay, let's come up with some unique business opportunities to make this happen within the world of licenses and agreements. Let's, let's do this. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is be able to identify this and make sure it all happens. And, you know, we're, we're kind of moving a little bit forward. So, you know, I know that you're one of the esports industry advisors for the Lost Tribe Esports. So, you know, tell us a little about this organization, you know, kind of what they're working on and that kind of yeah let's, I, I, I love this topic because um, uh, you know I, I love good organizations and I love organizations that are truly in it for a charitable purpose uh, to to do good and to especially give youth a safe place um, and lost tribe esports and you know Lenny I know you're going to be listening to this at some point and, and uh, Justin I both think the world of you and and your organization so you know let's give it a shout out here. Um, it, Lost Tribe Esports is a an organization focused on Jewish teens and a safe place to game. And so, you know, whether you are, uh, you know, 13 or a young adult, whether you're a male or female, what, you know, whatever your background, it gives you a safe place to come game. It gives you a, an environment to understand gaming. It gives you a safe and fun place to learn how to game. So, you know, you don't need to be an expert. But on top of that, it also gives you a place to learn to sort of um, be whoever you want to be within the e-sport and gaming world. So maybe you're not a gamer, but you want to be a production person or you are an entertainer or an influencer or a streamer or you're behind the camera. Um, it is an organization that is giving kids an opportunity to learn how to uh, have hands on opportunity within the gaming and culture space. Uh, you know, so to me, it's kind of neat because it's it's the youth group of the future, right? When, when I was growing up 30 years ago, you know, you went to the JCC and you played, you know, maybe basketball with your friends, but that excluded anyone who didn't play basketball. It excluded females that, that probably weren't involved in the game. Um, and, you know, if you were a gamer and, and that was what you were doing back then, you, you weren't really involved. And so this is kind of, frankly, where the youth culture is at and it's creating a new organization then for, for Jewish teens to get, you know, get involved and, uh, you know, meet each other. Um, and it gives you an opportunity to like, you know, meet your friends at summer camp and then come game with each other at home. It gives high schools a chance to compete each other, organizations, a, you know, a chance to compete each other. What I also love about them is that they're reaching out sort of cross, you know, stuff too. So, you know, community is the, uh, the black culture version of, um, of Lost Tribes community and Lost Tribes has geared up together to promote each other, to promote kind of, uh, you know, diverse and minority cultures. So it really is a lot about the culture aspect and the gaming aspect and the safe aspect to, uh, you know, to, to get to do all of this. So huge shout out to Lost Tribe. Yeah. You know, I, when I kind of learned about it, I was checking out, I'm like, wow, you know, this is great. You know, I think that especially as we see, there's a lot of initiatives, whether it's Latins in gaming or, you know, gender equality or, you know, the game hers who I've done stuff with or women in gaming and other great organization. And, you know, I think please, that as you, please because I know they'll be listening. So we'll give them a shout out. Um, you know, the, the, I love these organizations that are focused on creating a safe space 
for minority and diverse gamers to come play. And, and I think it's fantastic because if you can create that safe space on both ways, right? So if you can show people that it is not okay to bully, it is not okay to harass, you know, if you're a guy just because a female gamer is gaming with you, that's not permission to to hit on her. Or yeah, or to make her feel uncomfortable. Yeah, right. And it, it's funny because uh, when I went to go visit the HyperX Arena in Vegas, the first thing I noticed were these two sidebars within the arena. And, and I turned to them and I laughed and I said, I bet you're not selling a lot of bottle service in here. And the guy laughed and he said, you know, that that's right. We're kind of wasting a lot of money. We, we sell more in one weekend at a pool party than we will all year in here. Curious, why do you say that? And I said, it, it's easy, right? If, if I'm if I'm four 20-year-old dudes and I'm gaming next to a 14-year-old girl, it's just creepy if I break out a bottle of tequila, right? Now, <laughs> you've you made that creepiness factor, right? And and so that that's not what gaming is about. Gaming isn't about growing out. It's not about harassing. It's not about using the fact that you're probably anonymous online or in Discord to take pop shots to someone. It, it shouldn't be, right? And, and if that's what you're doing, like, you know, you know, wrong, wrong culture to be in and wrong time to be doing it, right? This is a time to prop each other up and to go, wow, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your, what your, you know, growing up was. I don't care what your situation is. You like gaming and so do I. And, and we've found that common thread. Let's build off of that. And, and, and look at the fact that, you know, frankly, 10 years ago, it was kind of an underground nerdy thing to say you were a gamer. It's not anymore. Let's be blunt, right? It's not anymore. Hip hop artists are doing it. Athletes are doing it. It is now really cool to say, you know what? I models I are doing it. Models, right? It, you know, it, go forward models. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it is it is now cool to say, it. and it doesn't matter what your game is, right? You don't need to be like, oh, look, I play Warzone, therefore I'm cool. Hey, you can play. You know, I'll, I'll shit on Hearthstone and Paladin for a second, right? I'll, you know, that you, you play Sims. You can play whatever game. Yep, it's Sims. You you could play Candy Crush. You know, you could still be that guy left in Second Life, um, right? But it's you, you. It's a. It's now a cool thing to do that. And and props to everyone who's built this safe space to say that. And that's what we should be doing. We should be like, you know what? You're a gamer. I'm a gamer. Let Let's figure out what other cool things we have in common. Because I promise you, you can find someone completely opposite with you. Play one game with them, and if you take the time to just kind of shoot the shit as you're gaming, you'll find ten other things you can build off of, and and your differences won't matter. Exactly. I mean, I think that's something that you know, even just playing some, you know, wrecking the two K world that I play a lot of. It's just like I have these random people that I have no idea who they are. It's like you guys got to see who Worldwide Just is. You know, know who I am, and it's just kind of like I play with them almost every weekend, and it's like. You know, we just kind of random people that I met and you start talking to them and they reach out to you and it's just as close to, you know, friendly as it gets. And, you know, it's interesting that like you, you know, mentioned that, yeah, it definitely was a closet thing. You weren't telling people that on Friday, Saturday night, you were playing Starcraft with your friends in the basement. (laughs) Right. I remember those days, but it's, what's, what's kind of cool too, right. It's like, I have a, uh, I have an, um, uh, about us, uh, standing game and when you look at who's in it right it, everyone we look like a benetton ad playing um and you know but it's it's really cool because it's it's uh, you know i'll stunt it out for a second it, it's a lot of cool hip-hop artists and, and nba players that somehow allow me into their game what's amazing to me first of all is how serious these guys take you know their game um you know you would think that among us would be like a joke to them but super you know um serious but what's cool, though, is the conversations are so not about who they are or what they're doing or stunting out. It's the, you know, what'd you have for breakfast? No way. I, I want to try that cereal. You know, that sounds really cool. Oh, who picked on you? You know, you know, X, Y, and Z. So, you know, even at, at, at a cool celeb level, right, people are using gaming to kind of just find that cool commonality with each other. And and I got to ask, like, that's why I, I love this community. It, it is it's welcoming if, if you know what you're doing. If you don't, right, just be humble and, and sort of come to it. I'm, uh, you know, Justin, I can say this to you because you are definitively not. You you are one of the, the foremost experts in this, right? But there's a lot of LinkedIn heroes out there that are claiming to be experts or consultants or, 
you know, oh, my God, I'm an attorney and I have a video game. So now I should be your e-sport attorney. Those are the dangerous people because they, they don't know enough to give the proper information. They are the ones that are out there probably on a lot of other you know, podcasts, et cetera, that um, that are disseminating false information or, or worse. They're they're just re uh, restating numbers that are probably not accurate. And, and I don't like that because that is not a way to properly grow uh, or protect our industry. Go find true expert, you know, experts. Um, you know, if, if you're looking for, you know, a phenomenal attorney to tell you about licensing and player agreements, et cetera, you know, call Justin. He, he knows what he's doing. And, and it, it doesn't have to be Justin. But my my favorite ask, and I used to tell people this when you were calling me or you were comparing me to someone else, you know, ask, ask your attorney or your advisor, or your consultant, I want to know the last six engagements and projects that you had. And I want to know what they are. If they can't give you six, then they're not an expert yet. And if they can give you six, they're still not an expert, right? Your question would be, then tell me the next 10, what are the next 20? I want to know the ones that failed. I want to know the ones that succeeded. When they can sit down and give you that and not just quote to you what happened in, you know, the, uh, you know, hype beast or, um, you know, what they saw on Vin or, you know, where, wherever else they're getting their news from, right? That, that's what you want. You want someone who's connected, who knows the industry, who's been around, who's seen what deals work, what deals blow up, um, and, and knows this stuff. And that's, that, that then is the consultant that you want. And if you're new to the industry, go find someone like that. I used to field phone calls and I still do, right? If you're listening to this and, and you don't know me, LinkedIn request me and send me a DM. Justin will tell you that's how I met him. And I just emailed him one day on LinkedIn. I was like, hey, big fan of what you're doing. Congratulations on Ford models. You know, if you ever have a chance to grab a bourbon, would, would love to, you know, shoot the shit. And he and I were at, you know, different law firms. So you would think we should be rivals. That's not the way it works. And that shouldn't be the way it works in, in your world. So, you know, shout out to everyone with with truly with with love each other. Find your real consultant. And if you're not, you know, go find one to learn the industry and then join the industry and, and do good in it. So sorry for that long rant, but you know I, I wanted to give you props. <laughs> well, first of all, I, I'm, I'm pray, prayer hands up. Thank you, sir, for the the amazing kind words. And you know I think that that's a really you know amazing point that you bring up. And you know when I do these kind of panels and speaking engagements, whether it's you know in the entertainment and music world or you know now in the esports and gaming, that's always the question: How do I find a lawyer? How do I know who's real? Like you know anyone can put up things on their website and you know, golden platinum records nowadays, like to get one, if you're involved in it, you could probably get it. And if you're involved in the deal in some fashion, yeah, as long as you eBay. pay for go it. On, yeah. Go on eBay. I can, I can get you that. I, you, well, no, one with look, your name on it, or I guess you can yeah, put your I can own get you plaque. On oh, <laughs> I, I can get you plaques on it. You know, you, you can speak on panels fairly easy. Now there's way too many, you know, wannabe conferences, stick with the ones that, you know, are tried or true. Like I said, go, go to, you know, if you if you're looking for an attorney and the one that you want either is out of your price range for the time being, um, you know, or you have questions about it, go find someone that, that you know that that's out there and just even ask them. Okay, I can't afford you. Can you give me someone else? Can you find me a recommendation? Ask three people for a recommendation. See if there's a commonality, and then ask three more to see if 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 they come up. And that's how you're going to find your people. Don't. Don't just search on LinkedIn or or oh someone shot you a website and did it. That that's frankly where I would stay away. The the really good people you'll see, um, you know, th there's a reason that Justin and I aren't posting on LinkedIn every day. We're we're too busy, right? You know, I I'd, I'd love to do that, but you know, the, you can find the people that are, are real, and and that's what you really need is this this is not an this is an easy industry to pretend you know what you're doing, but because it is IP and it's content. Um, you know, and uh, as Justin will tell you, the malpractice insurance for IP is among the highest, uh, you know, rates that you can get because it's it's extremely important. It's extremely valuable and it's very easy to mess up in the wrong hands. And, and so don't trust your career and your IP to to a wannabe, like make sure they know what they're doing. And also at the same time, don't find that person who has been doing IP law for 20 years, but doesn't know the gaming industry. Right. There, there's nuances that make this different. Find that person who can say, I've been doing this for X amount of time. I know IP law. I know contracts. I know licensing. 
But you know what? I also know gaming. I know the difference between, you know, League and COD and Overwatch and, you know, what makes a TikTok deal different than a, a you know, a Triller deal and why I would do Twitch for this, but not find those nuances because that that's where you're going to get in trouble. So, you know, preach to you, Justin, for, for doing this correctly. And, and to the other attorneys that are out there that I'm friends with and you know who you are, like, you know, you guys as well. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that, you know, what's nice is that there's starting to be, you know, this colleague system of people knowing. And as you said, as you're starting to do this, you start to see patterns. You get an idea of what you can push, what other people are getting, you know. It's interesting. I, I did, you know, a deal with the team, three different deals, and each person had three different deals, three different payment structures. And it was just interesting to see how they came to these numbers and why some X player got more than another and kind of what they valued in someone else over someone else. And it's just being able to understand what a, team A might value as opposed to team B is a part of it. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. There's there's that old joke, and I'm not going to retry to retell it because one, it's long, and two, I'll botch it up. But, you know, everyone has a proper value at the right place. Right. And so, you know, team A may not value you because you're not what they're looking for. And they'll give you a contract, but it's not the dollar you think. Team B may not be as well known as team A, but you might bring a much higher value to them. So they're going to give you a, a, a better deal for it. Um, you know, team three may even be a complete unknown, but you know what? You can be the superstar on there and you're their investment. So, you know, going to someone that knows these differences you know, can come to you. You know, I used to have a, you know, uh, artist 20 years ago, was like, I need a record deal. You know, that was what everyone wanted. I'm like, why? Like, that's not, that's not for everyone. You know, there, there's, there's a certain person. That's all they want still. Deal. Yeah. But you know, why you could drop on SoundCloud, you could drop on Spotify, you could self-publish, you can control more. Um, you know, there's so many other cool things that you could be doing. Um, so you know, it's it's not a one size fits all. And just because you read about something, you know, doesn't mean that's necessarily the best for you or your career. And having a an industry expert will, you know, will know that. Exactly. So, so what's some advice for someone that's trying to kind of get into the esports and gaming space? Ah, uh, good. One. Um, one one network, right? So first of all. It's, don't be afraid to network and don't be afraid to say, look, I'm still learning this and ask questions because by doing that, you will, you'll learn, you'll gain respect. Um, the who's who in this industry love this industry and better yet, the, the, the real who's who are super nice and connected to each other. And if you can be like, hey, I'm trying to learn this, it's like, great, I'll tell you what you need to know. And then I'm going to introduce you to 10 other people and tell them, you know, that you should be talking to them. Um, number two, you know, take it seriously. It's not enough to go. I love this video game and I watch Twitch and therefore, you know, I'm now a gaming expert. You got to know the nuances. You've got to recognize that there are distinct, um, differences between every game, every platform, every organization, learn those, right? Learn the demographics and the differences so that you can give real advice um, you know, when people come, come to start using you in whatever your niche is going to be. Uh, and then number three, when you get there, right? So I've been doing this for 21 years. When I first started, right, I knew no one. I didn't know what this was. I, you know, I learned because I had really good mentors um, and I had people that took the time to invest in me. So when you do sort of finally hit that pinnacle in your career and, and you're established, pay it forward. Be, be that be the person then that takes the next generation under your wing and give it back so that they'll keep doing it. So, you know, when you're starting, go find someone that can truly teach you, be hat in hand. Don't, don't get out over your skis. Um, don't get in trouble, you know, do good in the industry. And then when you get there, you know, pay it forward so that we can keep growing. So, you know, that, that, that's why I tell everyone, you know, I, I will find time to answer you. And so if you, if you send me an email or, or LinkedIn message, I probably can't answer you right away. Chances are I'm in a conference and reading your LinkedIn message now. So if you see that I read it, as I thought when don't, you know, I'm not ignoring you. I promise I will respond. Um, and if you're a good person and you're, and you're, you know, just asking for nice advice or, you know, you're not, you don't want anything other than just like, Hey, I'm just trying to learn more. That's the best thing. Don't, don't come in with a hidden agenda. Just, just come in because you're, you're a good person. And you want to learn more and, and people then will gravitate. And the bigger your network, 
And the more you learn and the more you talk, the, the more value you will add to that network. Yeah, I mean, I think that's amazing advice. And it's, you know, kind of what I say, and, you know, you alluded to it earlier, is like, you know, just got to do it. You just have to reach out and put yourself out there. And like you said, if you're humble and respectful, it's like, hey, you know, I love the amazing stuff you're doing in this space. I you know, love you had five minutes to you know, introduce yourself, you know, and people love to talk about themselves. And I think that it's important to understand that if you engage people in the right way, they're more than willing, especially most people. You know, I've never in my life seen anyone say, how dare you just message me? Like, you know who I am? Because honestly, if that's the response, you got out easy. Trust me. That's uh, agreed. Um, on that note, I do got to jump into my next conference. Justin, thank you so much for taking the time today and having me. Um, th- this was this was an awesome podcast. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You know, this was amazingly insightful. And, you know, thanks, everybody, again, for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J-E-S-Q. And check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.